Filmmaker Commentary, episode 154. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Taxi Driver, directed by Morton Martin Scorsese. Morton. Morton. <laughs> uh, this, yeah, 1976. What was the budget and box office on this film? On a $1.3 million estimated budget, Taxi Driver raked in worldwide gross of $29 million. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Wow, and that that was worldwide. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, was it more? Was it more of a hit in America, or did they split it up? Like you know how sometimes they'll play uh, international is bigger than America. Did so they do that? This says that U.S. According to IMDb, yep, it says that U.S. and Canada was twenty eight million, and the rest of the world was just a uh, another one million, making it twenty nine total. Interesting. Let's keep still keeping it secret. Hush hush. <laughs> uh, did this film win any awards at the time? Glad that you asked. All right, so Taxi Driver definitely did have some critical acclaim. Pardon me. Uh, it was nominated for multiple Academy Awards, including Best Actress, Jodie Foster, Best Leading Actor, of course, in Robert De Niro, Best Picture. So both the producers, Julia Phillips and Michael Phillips, were nominated for that. And then Best Music um, and Original Score by Bernard Herrmann posthumously. Of course, he unfortunately had passed away literally like during the production of this film. Uh, in addition to that, it was also nominated for a couple of Golden Globes, but uh, no major wins there. It did win some National Society of Film Critics Awards for Best Director, Supporting Actress, and Best Actor. New York Film Critics uh, Circle Awards. It won Be Best Actor for Robert De Niro. Cannes Film Festival. And it won the, the Palme d'Or. Very uh, prestigious. So Martin Scorsese got that one. Uh, Los Angeles Film Critics Award for Best Actor, Best Music. And um, again, New Generation Award for one Miss Jodie Foster. Wow, I had no idea they won the Palm Noir. I mean, that one is one where everybody stands up and claps for you for minutes. Minutes. Take it in. <laughs> yes. So, hmm, had no idea. Would have never guessed. Would have never thought. Um, what about, what was like the sentiment at the time? Or, you know, what were critics saying? And how were they taking this in America with all this violence? So Taxi Driver was you was was unique because Scorsese himself even didn't think that this film would would be really viable at the box office. Didn't think it would make a lot of money for him. This was more of a passion project. Yeah. But clearly, it did quite well at the box office, especially given the budget to right. to to make that back. Mm -hmm. You know, some you know twenty eight twenty nine times over. Super super impressive. Mm -hmm. There there was definitely some pushback because of the violence, and even to get the rating that they wanted, they had to desaturate. Well, we don't, don't want to give too much away just yet. Oh, but yeah. obviously, mm -hmm. we're going to be diving into spoilers a little bit later. But this film did have some pushback because of the the nature of the violence. This is a film definitely not for kids or small children. And if they hadn't have made that change at the end, it would have gotten the the dreaded X rating Ooh. on it because of the violence. So this was uh, this was out there, but yet there was something that that resonated with with the country 
and with with a lot of young men who were also feeling this even the 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 writer paul schaefer this was this was birthed out of what he was feeling at the time and what he's found over the years is that other young men have come up to him and and uh have said how much they they could they could relate to the feelings even scorsese and de niro both they felt this kinship to to some of the feelings maybe not to the extreme but with with some of the feelings, I mean, people feel what they feel. But the the, the key is not acting on <laughs> on all your fantasies, yeah, boys and way. girls. Keep an eye on Paul, the writer. My God, he seems he seems he seems pretty healthy now. But his At his his backstory is interesting. It's kind of like a, what's the name uh, the Crow when he wrote all his trauma that he was going through and put it into the film. Yeah, there you go. But again, we know often out of pain and difficult situations, some beautiful art can be created. Uh, I don't know why I just thought of Taylor Swift, but yeah, <laughs> she's <laughs> that's, a, that's she's, random. She's a man, uh, American artist. Uh, what were like the signs of the times? What, what, what was going on in that era? So as as we think about the the nineteen seventies, I was born in seventy nine. Okay, so not that I remember the seventies. Right, I was right. I mean, I'm talking like December of seventy nine. I was right on the cusp. It was yeah. like you know a couple of literally days out before the seventies ended, but. Looking at the times at this 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 juncture, we're talking. This was shot in seventy five, mm-hmm. came out in seventy six. Watergate had taken place, mm-hmm. which was it? I mean, that that was a huge blow. I think. I mean, I may be wrong, but Ills, I think yeah, for America. I think Nixon was the first president to be impeached. Yeah, that's that's pretty huge. Yeah, Vietnam War. That's a and the first time where like war footage is being shown to the world, and you see the horrors of the war and a war that we did not win like people yeah. often talk about like what kind of psychological ramifications that had on the the country as a whole and the country's morale yeah then we get gerald ford coming into office who if you watch clips of ford addressing the nation it's not <laughs> not that inspiring uh, but there also was paul schiffer talked about there was an a, i think on attempt on an attempt on ford's life like an assassination attempt and that the woman who it was a woman who made the attempt and she got put on the cover of Time magazine and it made him think that, oh, this is, you know, in our media crazed culture. He thought it was media crazed back then. Yeah. Was, this this is all it takes to, to be famous. Yeah. And that kind of plays into later on in the film. But uh, hmm. but the film was received again, uh, somewhat mixed. But again, in the in the 70s, it was there was a lot of crime mm-hmm. that was happening in in New York. Yeah. I mean, we could see, I mean, you know, porn was kind of pseudo mainstream where you had all these theaters all around. People could. That was interesting because uh, during that time, you know, in the 70s and um, you have like the exploitation films that are out, which are borderline like pornography, you know, like soft porn. It's more graphic. Um, But uh, if we remember from the film uh, Reanimator, a lot of people got into the business through porn, you know, and we'll be talking about, you know, Rocky and Sylvester Stallone. He kind of had his, (laughs) you know, that was like the beginning of his career. Mm. was kind of kind of dealing with that a little bit. It's like that was a gay because that was the only way you can get access to film. Sure. Um, On the cheap. On the cheap, <laughs> maybe more ways than one. Anyway, but <laughs> but yeah, it was America was in an interesting spot. Plus, I know a time comes in the seventies where we get this oil crisis, yeah, and when the gas prices like just shoot up crazy high. I don't know if that's right around this time or a little bit later, but the seventies were were a little a little rough go for America. So yeah, so this this character and okay, here's one other thing I want to mention. In general, in films in the seventies, you had this shift towards at least with with quite a few 
Caucasian male leads, you had the rise of the anti-hero. Yeah. Where they weren't as squeaky clean good guys. Like, they were, it wasn't so definitive. There was something kind of, there was a darker edge. This was not only a, a, a reflected in movies, but also in, in, in other mediums, like comic books, things like that. And you saw darker characters beginning mm-hmm. to emerge who would cross the lines, who, who were willing to, to kill and kind Absolutely. of do, like, the, the ends justifying the means. So characters like the Punisher, characters like Wolverine, those kind of characters coming to forbearance on the, uh, the, the market and, and plenty of films like this that, uh, that dealt with that. That's right, bub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before we talk further about Taxi Driver, let's talk about news, TV, and movies watched. All right, so in the news, we're going to be real quick here. According to Variety, at the box office, Black Panther will kind of ever rules with 67.3 million. And she said flops with 2.2 million. A $2.2 million debut. Again, Disney's comic book sequel, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, extended its reign at the domestic box office. In its second week of release, the 30th feature installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe collected $67.3 million between Friday and Sunday. But adult audiences continue to reject films pitched directly at them. Steering clear of Universal's, she said, uh, a look at the pair of New York twin journalists who exposed Harvey Weinstein's sexual abuses. Oh, I forgot about that. It's a, it's a documentary. Mm, I hadn't even heard of it. I don't know if it's a documentary or scripted, um, but I remember. That's right. Whoops. I mean, we kind of saw the whole scandal fall in front of our eyes, you know, during the uh, Me Too movement. Oh, yeah. So that's just a little bit, uh, a little bit of, of news. Let's go bit. around. Okay. What you been watching? All right, as far as what I've been watching, it's a little, little lighter this week. I did check out on Netflix uh, an older comedy special with Donald Glover called Weirdo. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, I forgot I was about like, that this one. is... I remember seeing him... rough. I remember seeing him on comedy... One on Comedy Central that was... I thought it was terrible. I thought it was... <laughs> uh, Donald Glover, I love you, brother. You, you're a creative genius. But man, that guy, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care for it. I was like, oh, this is his. Some of that early stand-up stuff of his, because he used to do like a lot of sketch comedy, you know. And I, I remember him, and it was a trio, uh, like just they would do a lot of improv and things like that. And it was, it was great. But uh, the stand-up comedy solo Jackson, ah, that's a whole nother level. Yeah, there, there were a couple of funny bits in this one because he had had a little more time. But his, he, he seems very manic in his delivery, and his transitions are. A little, a little rough, but there were there were a couple of funny, there were two uh, jokes, com- in there. C- couple of funny <laughs> moments in it. But yeah, but yeah, I watched it. it. Was called Weirdo, and did you finish it? I did finish. it. Okay, yes, I, I committed. Okay, and uh, yeah, I got through it. So there was that. Uh, also, what else? Um, still been watching Black Love. Uh-huh. I caught up on a couple more episodes of Peripheral. Yeah. So I think I'm maybe like only one episode behind now. Okay. But that's still been pretty pretty awesome. You know, wrapped on Atlanta, of course. That was last week. I gotta knock that off my list now. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I finished the last two episodes of that. Yeah, yeah. I, the, not not what I would hope for 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 an ending. No, I was like, I was like, give me more. What are we doing? A, wrap I'm, this up. I'm like, this is an unassuming ending. Maybe it's on purpose. Maybe it's, it gives them a, a, uh, a way. I mean, to the last episode is literally called "It Was All a Dream." You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> like. Yeah, I was like. Mm. Again, but it's 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 hard to stick landings. But the, I, as creatively excellent as this was, like I feel like you guys didn't really try. But maybe that's part of the 
kind of charm of the show was like oh, we're not gonna really I'm kind of not surprised that they didn't really right. put a bow on it uh, I, I did want the bow I, I wanted it too but I'm like <laughs> it's kind of st- it's kind of sticks with a certain vibe that the show has of kind of subverting your expectations yeah very much so yeah um, how about you what you been watching Atlanta last those last two episodes and then I watched a trailer um, called Senior which is about a, it's a documentary about Robert Downey Jr.'s father uh-huh. and uh, I find that uh, interesting so I was like oh man this is going to be a tearjerker it looks pretty pretty charming yeah. and heartwarming uh, yeah 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 I agree you sent that to me and I was like oh and then that sent me on a rabbit trail of watching just a bunch of trailers of stuff coming out on, on Netflix yeah I'm like, ah, okay. There's uh there's plenty of content still there coming, is. folks. Absolutely. Uh, but that's that's pretty much it for me. Gotcha. All right. And today's show was sponsored by Natural Hair the Movie by Ground Over Matter Films, available to stream on all black TV and on Tubi. Please check it out and leave a review. And now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Taxi Driver, directed by Martin Scorsese, 1976. Or is it Sezzy? Morty. Morty. <laughs> and if this is... Oh, go ahead. So you got to hit that, that synopsis. Oh, yeah. And before we uh, talk about this uh, Taxi Driver, let's jump into the synopsis. Suffering from insomnia, disturbed loner Travis Bickle takes a job as a New York City cabbie. Hunting the streets nightly, growing increasingly detached from reality as he dreams of cleaning up the filthy city. When Travis meets pretty campaign worker Betsy, he becomes obsessed with the idea of saving the city. Cab driver. Taxi Transportation professional. Right? Public transpo. Rated X, right? Uber driver. Too early. <laughs> Rideshare. Uh, Lift driver. Oh, man. Gig economy. Right? <laughs> Taxi driver. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you watch this film? I came I watched this a couple of years ago, I think during my my big Netflix binge where I was just just renting just anything that felt like a blind spot. Yeah. I think it's when I watched this or I may have just caught it streaming somewhere. No, but I'm I'm pretty positive I I, I had a physical copy, I think, and I sat down and watched it. I was like, "Oh." Yeah. Especially when it got to the end, I was like, "Oh," cuz I really didn't know anything about this. Yeah. I didn't know those famous lines that you're talking to me. I didn't know that came from this. No idea. But I just, it, it, I'd heard it many a time mentioned. Mm-hmm. Knew it was a Scorsese film. So I was like, well, I, I should probably check this out. Man, I knew it existed, but that's about it. I, nobody in my circle said I should watch this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was not recommended. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I knew about it, but just it never. There's nothing about it that made me want to watch it. Not even the title, the title. Come on, who wants to? <laughs> it's not appealing at all. It's autistic. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, but after uh, after um, watching it, I can see why I never heard of it. 
I don't think anybody in my group of people would have recommended this to me. <laughs> this is... <laughs> it's like an introspection of a school shooter, you know what I mean? It's like, what? Word. It, it's... Yeah, we'll dive deeper into some of the like themes, things like that. But it, it did make me again. It's shocking how, to a certain degree, relevant it feels with some of the the political and the the climate of today of two thousand and twenty two, and looking back at twenty twenty one and twenty twenty, mm-hmm. some of the feelings that Travis has. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa! I think I can see this in other people. Right? Like, wow! It's that feeling that was there that other people can relate to, still there. Yeah, uh, I think this genre is like this weird genre that I think America likes. Uh, specifically, I would I would argue, you know, throw the stats up and you can whoever's listening can run it. But I think it's probably geared more towards a certain age group of white male because um, what this movie reminds me of is uh, uh, um, the most recent Joker movie. You know, low budget guy who's traumatized does his thing you know <laughs> the white guy that that gets beat down to, to can't take anymore and then he, he makes flips out and does does mass mass killings yes um you know falling down with michael douglas i think about that yeah yeah, yeah there's a couple of these films where, where the white guy just can't take it anymore <laughs> the way you say it like i just can't take it anymore i just can't take it anymore and it's like oh uh, I know other people have been going through some things for a while. But I'm sorry you're having a bad go, buddy. It's not a unique situation, right? Yeah, anyway, but but it's 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 a, it's a well done film. Yeah, and it and it has something to say, and it's 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 disturbing. It's powerful and disturbing, and the performances are pretty amazing. Robert De Niro, damn, yeah. What did well since we're talking about what did you like or not like? All right. Uh, what I liked about the movie, I can find it in my notes. Ah, I like the rawness of it because it is, it is unflinching, mm-hmm. and I, I can appreciate that. Even if at times it makes me flinch, yeah, I can appreciate that. It, it's it, this is this is told from Travis's perspective, all except for maybe two scenes. He's in, yeah. So it's his perspective the whole time, and you're brought into his world and his his uh, perception of things. And then, as I just said, the performances. Robert De Niro, uh, Sybil Shepherd, man, she is, the way she's shot, she's just a dream, <laughs> like, within it. An and angel, it, as he says. Uh, an angel in white. She, yeah. And she's wearing white most of the time. But even like at, towards the end when she's in his cab and she's in the back seat and get the rear view shot, the way she's lit and the little the wind on, on her hair, like, just so slightly blowing. <laughs> But it's yeah, but it's very, very ethereal, ethereal. Uh, in the way that she appears. That's word of the day. Uh, and then, um, yeah, those are the main things that I, that, I, that I liked about the film. How about yourself? What did I like? I got to find. Um, I have a lot of, dis- not a lot of dislikes, but I didn't really like it. Um, slow. It's a slow burn. You know what I mean? I'm like, come on. And, and, to, be, and to be fair, I have watched another film from the 70s. <laughs> uh, same year. Yeah, mm-hmm. came out same year. And... You know, that, uh, we'll talk, you know, that, that film had me on a different vibe. So when I got to this film, I was like, ah, yeah. what? And so. Get over here. Right. Get down here. So the slow burn, uh, the music made me kind of, it was great music, but it made me, it's raining and this jazz music just made me feel sleepy. 
dark. Yeah. I'm just like, this is it's sleep time. You know, <laughs> it's dreary music. I was like, this is perfect time to go to sleep. But um, mainly I was like, dude, why is this dude looking at all the, like the way they shot it, it was like, why are you looking at all the black people like this? You know what Word. I'm saying? And I was like, dude, you looking. He's like, it, but it wasn't never like addressed to the audience, but I see it. <laughs> so yeah. how it was shot. So Martin Scorsese did a good job showing this guy and I'm like why they keep singling out black folks mm -hmm. like why is he being singled out and you know um, turns out this character's racist you know and I felt that yeah. which is why I didn't like it you know I was like, mm. like you felt threatened you feel no, threatened I just not entertained <laughs> you know I'm just like this yeah not entertained by this I'm like I don't you know for him to just be picking out these people I was like what is going on? You not see all the other stuff that's going on? And he's specifically putting himself in that situation because the other cab driver's like, oh, you know, like you, you go anywhere? You'll drive anywhere? Yeah. And so like the stuff that he doesn't like, he's he's actively exposing himself to it. Right. Going to the areas that you know, that he doesn't like and, and maybe around people he doesn't like. Well, you don't have to be, you don't have to take routes in this area if you really don't like this. So like why well, he, he was sitting down with his other cab friends and they're talking about, you know, the stories of the day. And there's a brother that's with them that's sitting down with him, just, you know, regular, you know, cab driver, just like everybody else. And then he turns to look at some other black people there in the, the same era. So I guess these people are pimps, you know, so he's they looking got at the hats on and all that. Yeah. Man. So these are like the mad, real masculine men, you know, how they're looking. And so, uh, you know, he's scared. I don't know. But he's looking at these guys like a threat. And so I was like, why is this? Why, we, why do I keep seeing this visual? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but it makes sense when the writer later says that this guy is absolutely racist. And he feels, he also says that this guy feels, just, he says, and this this is what made me think about people of today, certain people of today, that when when you feel that like you've been rejected and you're kind of at the bottom of the rung, you then look to find other people that you feel are beneath you. And often the quickest way to do that is to look at either race or people's socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what Travis is, is doing to shift his, or well, at least I'm not, these people <laughs> at the very least i forgot what um what president said it uh but basically they were saying if if you can get uh poor white people to get on your side they'll kind of do your bidding for you yeah and yeah so it creates a division because at the end of the day you got people you got the middle and lower class which makes up the majority of the country so you don't want that whole class of people to get together, get together. against the elites so what you do is create the division of color the division and different cultures so there's like hey but you're white though so you still have a chance exactly you know? at least you're not those people over there absolutely yep I've, I've heard that same thing yeah man so yeah so when i found out i was like okay so that's why i i saw these visualizations of how he was looking at these people and then turns out uh that you know, in the regular screenplay, he was supposed to kill all the black people. It was like supposed to be specifically black people. Everybody was going. To, can you imagine? I'm like, put it out there if you want. To, if you just, it, it was okay. Well, uh, so here's <laughs> fine. If that's what it is, put it out there. But here, here's here's the thing, though. Who signs up to direct this. Well, like, well, well here's I'm just thing. I'm just messing around. I'm, so, I'm just, here's what they they, they they were. You had producers and people that were oh, smart. It's integrity. To, it's you had people best. to step in and say, okay, this would be socially irresponsible. Why? We, we Why got, though? We have to. They didn't want writing. <laughs> they, they said that. Like uh, Paul Schaefer actually addresses it a couple of times, and I listened to the second commentary he was on. And he said that, you know, even Harvey Keitel said he wanted to play the the pimp. Yeah. But other sources say that the studio said, no, you need to change the pimp from being black to to white, so that at it the would end, make it's, sense. It's not him going in and killing because killing all black people. I think it kind of like from a 
from an art standpoint, you know, how mm-hmm. the how it was written originally written, uh everybody was black, you know, just like, like if it was a book it would have been okay, you know, but since it's a different medium, okay, we'll do the TV, I mean, we'll we'll change things out. But you are building all this up. We see the black pimps and all this stuff happening. If late the person that was pimping out uh what's the actress name? Jody Foster. Jody Foster. If that was a black guy, it would make sense. Like what happened early, what was built up earlier and why he has his rage and now he's taking down these black folks. Uh, but to like kind of swap that out, I was like, I get why they did it, but it doesn't go with the situation. I think I think I think I think it was a calculated smart move to not do the way because just the, the tension. <laughs> I agree, I agree. Ooh. I agree. But put it out there. If you get like, why not? If that's what the thing is. Playing with fire. There, yes. Playing yes, with fire. That's but awesome. it, it's, that's one of those interesting things in, in filmmaking, mm-hmm. right? The the risk that you're willing to take mm-hmm. knowing there, because people who are reading books are like, oh, well, oh, that's uh, okay. But you're not really thinking about them rioting per se. But, uh, but yeah, it kind of goes to show you the power of these images and why. And it was part of the reason why I didn't really like it. It was like those images are powerful. So if you think you're going to ride, it still had an effect on me watching it. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, go on, put it out there. Just <laughs> since we're doing it. See, not and the first time I watched it, I didn't really, I didn't really catch it. This time I caught it. I, I was felt like, it as soon as he started like, looking around. Dang. I, when he started saying, yeah, with the, with the voiceovers. Oh yeah, yeah, they're picking up spooks. The spooks. But I don't care. You know, it don't matter to me. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so in my. <laughs> In my dislikes, I put that. I said, I said, I don't. All the racial slurs. At one point, again, he uses spooks, um, and then Scorsese in the character he plays, he says nigger, and Ooh, then and oh, then he did. yeah, and then the guy who Dale sells Martin Scorsese, <laughs> and then the guy selling De Niro the guns, yeah. says Jungle Bunnies. Dang, I was like, damn. But but again, for, again, if it's being unflinching, that's what I'm like. To put a degree, it, put it out there. Put it. Just like let the people, you know, these no, these are people who talk talk about us at times. That's what I said. Make it do the whole thing. Like if it is what it is, put it out there. Get the black folks. You know, if that's what. Well, again, we. I mean, we know in almost every film, like there's brothers uh, that die. So I, I'm I'm actually a little relieved that at the end, it's not not just brothers dying. So I'm oh, like, I'm kind of okay to switch it up, even though his first kill is a brother. Yeah. And then the way that person died, that was just so horrific. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and you could justify it like, yeah, he was, you know, saving the day. He could have shot him in the leg or something, but it, it's weird that he he was so accurate with that brother. One shot, he's down, but these other guys like that, all of them like seem to to come back. He has to shoot them multiple times. I'm like, oh yeah, you, you hesitant now? Are you second guessing yourself? It was easier when it was. A <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Hey, Martin. Uh, what'd you think about the commentary? Because uh, how many commentaries was it? Was it one, two? There's three on this one. What did you? How many did you listen to? Two. Oh my! Because one was a, a professor. So oh, okay. And again, after <laughs> after the three go throughs, I was like, I need to stop. <laughs> you went I down the dark hallway. Stop. Uh, yeah. Um, the first commentary, which is a recreation. Uh, not recreation, but a reproduction. Mm-hmm. No, not a reproduction. It was the original <laughs> <laughs> commentary from like the 1980 Laserdisc. Wow. I don't know why it makes me think of uh, the regular show. There's a cartoon on Cartoon Network, and there's some crazy episode where they find this ancient Laserdisc and have this crazy experience. Anyway, total tangent. Yeah, but, yeah, send that link to me. Yeah, but anyway, so, <laughs> but it, it's the commentary. And again, I love the way it's done because yeah. they separate Martin Scorsese 
and Paul Schaefer. So they're both speaking. And there's this wonderful, very pleasant lady's voice who's who who's gives, guiding us, right? Yeah, she's guiding us along. I'm like, ah, I like this. Yeah, this that, is that was pleasant. Good. Yeah. So yeah, that that commentary is is actually really solid. But I took in so many of the supplemental materials before I even watched the commentary. Oh my. Okay. okay. So you were already a a master at it before you heard it from. I was. Uh, I was trapped in the metal coffin, as Paul, Paul Schaefer says. So, so I, I just listened to the commentary, the first one that you you just mentioned. Um, yeah. So let me rattle off the, some of the features on this this special uh, Blu-ray edition of Taxi Driver. It's very well and nicely packaged. It also comes with a, a, a number of kind of stills from the the film itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it includes the you know, unfortunately, at this point of this recording, you know, Warner brothers BD live feature is now disabled where before when you, when you had these films, you could tap an extra features, mm-hmm. extra content, but unfortunately they couldn't sustain that. <laughs> um, but it did have that on there, but there's also again, the original 1986 commentary with Scorsese and Schaefer, uh, excuse me, I'm calling him Schaefer, Schrader, forgive me, Mr. Paul Schrader, the writer of the film. Mm-hmm. That was also from, uh, the criterion collection as well. And there's, then there's a separate a commentary by just Paul Schrader, which I listened to as well. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, Marsh Scorsese on Taxi Driver, which is him being interviewed and talking about the film. There's also a feature called Producing Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. There's also a feature called God's Lonely Man, when you get some introspective interviews from other people involved with the film. There's also an influence and appreciation on Scorsese, as well as Taxi Driver Stories, which I started to watch and then stopped and thought, no, I don't need to see this. These, these are just actual <laughs> taxi stories. drivers. Yeah. yeah, real taxi drivers and some of the crazy stuff that they see. Remember there was an HBO show and it was like- Taxi Cab Confessions. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. HBO was on it with those like gritty, you know, the real sex and all that kind of stuff they used to do back in the day. There's also um, Making of Documentary on uh, Taxi Driver. Did you watch that one? I did. Okay. There's also Travis's New York where they actually show- uh, like these side by side stills of locations that they shot at in New York mm-hmm. then in the 75 and then what they look like today. Some are completely different, completely renovated. Then there's also tra- Travis's New York locations where they revisit and uh, some of the locations like, I guess kind of live or recorded or yeah, live at the time. There's storyboard to film comparisons with uh, Martin Scorsese and an introduction that he does. And then there's an animated photo gallery, your favorite. <laughs> Did you watch the gallery? Ah, uh, really, really quick. I turned it on. <laughs> I hit the 1.5 fast forward. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Get me out of this damn taxi. <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot of features, though. That's so you go lot. in as deep as you want to with this taxi driver Blu-ray. Unbelievable. Um, so the overall tone of this film, uh, you have... What did you think about the overall tone? Lonely. <laughs> lonely, for sure. <laughs> it's very, very lonely. Um it's it's dark yeah it's gritty there's a, a sense of, of of noise and filth i put no, yeah. noise and filth yeah a little bit of paranoia mm-hmm. you could feel because you're you're trapped you're you're i say trapped you're trapped with this character again every scene is him ex- except for two he's in every scene i think um it should have been that way it should, um, I know that's later on, and you know uh, the the writer kind of talked to Martin Scorsese about, you know, he should be, you know, every scene he needs to be in it because us as an audience, we're like, dude, we're hanging out with this psychopath, but like we can kind of understand slightly 
you know, his perspective because we've been hanging around him so much. It's like hanging out with your crazy friends. Like, yeah, it's kind of always been that way, you know? That's just his way. Yes. <laughs> he's going to figure it out. Just, but you accept it, but everybody's like, oh, it's kind of crazy, you know? <laughs> You're like, really? I didn't, I didn't see that. <laughs> That's just <laughs> Travis. <laughs> That's just Travis. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, it's uh, and again, uh, and then it's it, at the end of the day, this is a noir film. Scorsese even talked mm-hmm. about maybe having wanted to shoot it in black and white, but he knew that wasn't a popular oh, thing at the time. Thank God, yeah, <laughs> would have been man. He he pushes it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortune favors the the bold, but luckily he wasn't that. that bold on this one. That would have been real hard. That's a sentence. That's a death sentence, man. Because ah, yeah, God. Oh man, uh, you got anything else on, on tone? Um, I like how uh, Scorsese. The first shot is like this, all this smoke, and then we see uh, Travis going through the smoke to get his job, and then uh, Scorsese is like uh, you know ca- character coming out of hell, basically. Yeah, he even like, says oh, when he okay. when he opens the door to go into the place, and the smoke is there before before mm-hmm. him. Like, he comes in, yeah, it's like it's, like it's coming out of hell, emerging from like somewhere. Demon has demon has manifested. Mm. Okay, yeah, so that kind of. Sets us up for this this guy. Um, so kind of like speaking of tone, um, the music, you know, was done by Bernard Bernard Herman, and I feel like his music. He reminds me of uh, like a lot of Spike Lee music, uh, kind of like the jazzy and sometimes like somber music that's playing, but it it's well done. Um, New York, you know, Spike Lee, you know, Scorsese, you know, there's fondness to New York, and then uh, just it remind me of those vibes. What you think about the music? Yeah, man, the the theme plays so often. It kind of, I mean, it it, it kind of graded on me after a while. That the because it it is foreboding because mm-hmm. it kind of swells and <laughs> sleep. <laughs> so it's like you're like, man, there's there's something like off about it. But yeah. they they said that the the horns that they use because they didn't use any strings, but the the, the Herman used horns specifically because that it represents the iron will of Travis. Okay. And once he sets his mind to something, and he's like immovable, and so like this constant swelling—it's a tension. I, I feel every time he plays, and it kind of rattles like within you, like something is, yeah, reverberating inside this guy that's not quite right. But it's—I mean, it's Solomon again. He's a nominee for Academy Award, and, and this was uh, again, like I said before, Herman's last film that he did, and. um he did a couple other really like kind of popular scores. Like I can't misremember their names, but if you heard the films, you'd you'd recognize them. So mm-hmm. this guy was the real deal. He actually refused to do the to do it initially until he read the script. <laughs> he refused to do. I, was he the one that says I don't do movies about cab drivers? Yeah, and they say well, it's not really about that, and so he read the it script. Says it in the title. That's true. It's confusing. Uh, it happens. That's <laughs> just Travis. But to him, surprise. <laughs> he read that script. Oh, let me. Uh, <laughs> Killing black folks? Is that what it is now? Sign me up. Because <laughs> a lot of people read that original script. <laughs> oh, man. Sign me up. Everybody was just, I'll do it for free. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. This is a passion project. Mm. Yeah, that 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 I I can't lie. That made me like yeah. had my head turned. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. Hmm. And when they said we can relate to this, how we were feeling, like uh, what aspect of that do you For, mean? What what you're feeling? Yeah. <laughs> Please expound on that. Hmm. I don't. 
I didn't get it. Um, the style. What kind of? What? How do you think the style of Scorsese and what was he um, pushing through? Did you feel like he had a style on this film? Man, definitely. There are things that he does. Again, still kind of becoming more familiar with seventy films and seven. 1970s film and, and 1970s cinematography, mm-hmm. you could tell that there are things that he did, he mentions in the commentary that are kind of u- unique to him, whether it's kind of having, like there's that one scene in particular where when Travis is calling Betsy after after he takes her on the, the bad date oh, yeah. and he's trying to ingratiate himself and, and, and get a hold of her and he's in frame but he's slightly off, you know, he's kind of right. off and then the camera just moves and pan, pans to the right just in the shot of the hallway. Yeah, and people you can see at the end of the hallway that leads to an open door outside of people walking down the street, and you're thinking, okay, somebody come through, but it's, no, you just still hear him hear him having this conversation, kind of pleading, pleading with her to pick up or talk to him some more or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. this is just a a lonely, sad existence. But apparently, it's kind of like foreshadowing to how the hallway is going to play a role towards the end of the film. But um, but yeah, Scorsese. I mean, this film is 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 dark. He had mentioned on that shot that it keeps the the audience unbalanced. Unbalanced for sure. There's, you know, I, I like when characters are lit up in red because it kind of speaks just to you know we also you know red kind of like seems like it you know invites danger. But there's a couple of times where he's where he's mad dogging some of the brothers and like they've got like a, a red light on <laughs> as they walk by, but he's mad dogging them so they're like kind of mad dogging him back. Like yeah. what are you like what are you looking at, man? And at times it, there are some shots that are shot to look like horror. Yeah, that are reminiscent of horror films. And then also towards the, the the very last scene of the film, which is how they, again, how they got their R ratings to the X ratings that they had to desaturate and diffuse mm-hmm. the colors of the blood. Yeah. In primary, in particular. Uh, I think about um, Kill Bill. They, I, they had changed the color of it um, in order to not get that, um, that NC-17, Quentin Tarantino talked about it, or going to black and white. Oh, we'll just do black and white when it comes to some of the real violent stuff so that you don't have that red pouring out everywhere. I, just, I don't get that. I don't I don't get why... It feels more visceral. Yeah, I don't, I don't get why blood is... I mean, if you're going for the film, you got well, it's a little blood or a lot of blood. I'm like, it's all fake. This is a film. This is fake blood. I mean, it could still have an impact, yeah. you could. Yeah. But if you're going for it, eh... Somebody, I don't, somebody's got to be the people to make the decision to give you that. So somebody has to set the standard. Enough is enough. Like you get one F word. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get well, one. You know what I mean? I, I understand. But I'm like, once you get to R, once you say this is for adults. Yeah. Then I'm like, ah, anything is, goes. No, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I know in, the, in our country where we've got different takes on nudity, things like that. But yeah, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're weird. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just different, uh, different strokes. Uh, they could have just went for, uh, a non, what does they call it? Where it's not rated, unrated. Yeah, it went for that. Death. I guess they gotta. They're trying to make money. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, I can't, I can't really fault them because it worked. Yeah, they made you know good return on the on the minor investment. Yeah, absolutely. This passion project. <laughs> uh, I got it from a style standpoint, it's just the fact that he's doing voiceover. Like uh, we're we're getting the inner thoughts of Travis as he's. You know, kind of talking. It's like, oh, okay, so we're kind of getting the thoughts of Travis as he keeps his journal of all of his L's that he catches every day. You know what? You know what? You know what that reminded me of? Huh? Rorschach from Watchmen. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Very much so. Absolutely. I'm like, I'm like, I think Alan Moore saw Taxi Driver, and when he wrote Watchmen, mm-hmm. he he took that influence. I don't know many other films that start with a protagonist who is. 
I mean, you have you have of course people who are giving narration, but in a specific journal, and they're looking at the city and they're talking about how much they dislike it and think that it's dirty and filthy. Yeah. And, and, and want, they're living there. Yeah, and they want to see it change. Like that's it's very much so like it was very specific. Yeah, like Rorschach's journal. I'm like, whoa! I, I, I immediately got like Watchmen vibes. I'm like, uh, interesting. Yeah, so that kind of gives its own taste right away. And then the visual style, as soon as it starts, it shows like Robert De Niro in red, starring as Travis. Or did it just say Robert? Just, De Niro? No, it just said Taxi Driver because he uh-huh. his his name doesn't appear in the opening credits. You I don't see it his. Did. I thought I, it was I red, looked, like black, and then red letters. That's the name of the movie, Taxi Driver. That's, that's all that that all appears, and then they start showing other names, but his name doesn't appear in the. Because I re, I rewound specifically, uh-huh. I was like, did I miss his name? Why yeah. why did I see his name? Uh-huh. You see Jodie Foster's name. You see that's what it was. So were their names? So I remember seeing um, black screen, red lettering, taxi driver. That was taxi driver. Mm-hmm. Then the actual taxi comes towards us in slow motion, and then we see more credits in the upper right hand corner. They kind of. Well, when the taxi goes to veers to the left, I thought the title of the movie popped right there. It was like an orange looking color. Mm. But um, that's me just relying on memory. That's not always reliable. But I, I can't tell you that De Niro's name De Niro, does, doesn't, doesn't appear until the end credits. And those, uh-huh. are, and those are in alphabetical order at that. Crazy. I thought that was an interesting choice. Because, I mean, this guy you won an Academy Award already. So I don't know why you wouldn't want his name, you know, in the opening credits. But it's an interesting choice. Hmm. Yeah. See, my brain, it doesn't remember. It remembers his name. It, but it was like the only name that was, and then it went to Taxi Driver, then everybody else's stuff, or mm. the other credits. But that's my memory. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I was looking, I was like, where? Wait, I didn't see his name. I rewound it back. I'm like, huh. We'll have to play that after this episode. Sure, we'll, 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 we'll double check. <laughs> um, also, um, when uh, Scorsese was kind of talking about how, like, when Travis is kind of walking amongst the people in New York, they use a 600 millimeter lens and, like, how they kind of isolate him to mm-hmm. make it, even though it's a group of people, but it's just him. We're focusing on him. Because you could have went wider and kind of showed the bigness of the city, but instead, in a crowd of people, you just focus on him with this long lens. Um, and it's apparent. But it, I guess it makes you feel, you, you know, we're stuck with this guy. It's like claustrophobic. We don't, not that many people get to come into this world of his. And how he feels, oh no, how he chooses to kind of isolate himself within this world. Like it's, he's not really alone. He chooses to be alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scorsese talks a little bit from a style standpoint, just like uh, the reality, the stuff that's in reality is like slow motion, slow down a little bit. And then the fantasy, he wants that to be, as realistic as possible because that is um, to that person that's their reality you know I me mean, going to bed thinking about all this stuff so that's their reality so it's like, real to them wow uh what what type of themes did you pull from this film would, were there some that they were pushing through i've got a couple of themes here so obsession um not being able to have the woman that he desires and doesn't want the woman that desires him. So again, he obviously desires Beth, uh-huh. but then when he comes across Iris, she wants him, even though it's her, her job, but he doesn't, he doesn't want her in that way. Uh-huh. He wants to rescue her, but he doesn't want her in that way. It's a child for crying out loud. Yeah. She's like 12 in, yeah. this fi- in this film. She's 12. Yeah. It's pretty Yikes. disturbing. It pretty is disturbing. disturbing. Um, surrounded by people, but always alone. Vigilanteism again, a la like Rorschach. Uh, themes of obviously prostitution, like what how people will I guess what they'll sell themselves out for. Um, it's a city that never sleeps. 
because uh, he he himself was a prime example of that. And now he says at the very beginning, you know, all the freaks come out at night. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I wonder if that's where that the rap song comes from. Huh. His line where he says, the, this freaks all, come out. all the freaks come out at night. Freaks come out. They got it from us, man. Mm. Uh, A theme of taking back power A theme of self-sabotage That's a lot of themes there, pal Yeah, I've I've, I've seen it a lot of times (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna get two in Go ahead Uh, Hypocrisy in life Mm -hmm. Um, So how he's like hating the pimp and the sex trade But he's also, he, you know, participates in it By going to these shows where Porn theaters Like all this exists inside that industry And then also, um the overall theme of like nihilism, you know, we've seen that in like menace to society and these other films. And even like he, when he says, you know, I've got to take care of my body. But then when you watch him towards the end, after he's already shaved his head into the Mohawk, he had said he's, you know, taking care of himself, but he's still, still popping the the pills uh, and drinking the, and drinking beer at the same time. Hypocrisy. Like, dude, this is not the, this is not the way. This is not uh, this you. nuts. Yeah. He's losing it. Uh, Two more, uh, you know, a uh, theme of uh, who defines a hero or a monster. Mm-hmm. And then make America great again. But <laughs> when, when I saw what he was doing towards the end, I'm like, yo, this is, this is like, this guy feels like he's trying, like, going to make America great again by going and performing this act. Initially trying, and ass- trying to overthrow the power by force and assassinate this presidential candidate. And then when his dumb ass gets, gets <laughs> caught. And, or gets, he takes off gets, running. Yeah. <laughs> When he, Sucker. when he gets, you know, noticed wearing the same coat as he did before, just cut his, just cut his hair, and he takes off running. He's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's, that's kind of dumb guy. And then and then finally, you know, he performs this act of heroism. It it is it's weird. It's twisted because it's good that he wants to save this girl from this lifestyle. Yeah, this young child. Okay, that's actually noble. But he at the end of the day, he really didn't care. I mean, that's he, why he cared about her, but he he just bro. I'm telling you, as if it was done correctly, the part if it was true to character, and he was like black pimps, but he becomes a hero for killing these black pimps. Yeah, like like this would have been a hundred percent solid. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, but it would have been a I bad would, taste in America. But I don't know, it would have been real. I would have been real. I would have had different. Yeah, yeah different. I, I feel terrible watching it, but mm. <laughs> earlier on, but. I think it was real to his character because he was he was on his way to doing that anyway, and he already killed one. You know what they say at the end of the film, like when he's driving off, yeah, and he, he, and, he and he hit that he hit that ding, a little tone, yeah. and kind of kind of like the 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 film kind of I don't know does something weird, like uh-huh. a like almost like a double take, yeah, and he's he's looking in the roof like almost like he saw something, yeah. They say that's like a timer, like uh-huh. resetting, uh-huh. and it, and it's and it's him almost, and they said the film ends the way it starts it's him and, and the the way that the kind of the haze of the lights oh, that effect yeah. goes and he says it's it's that time of restarting in his head that everything that he's done he's gonna do again he's gonna build up the paranoia and the loneliness and he's gonna he's gonna peak to violence again but it probably isn't gonna end the same way you know he's not gonna <laughs> come out as a hero he's probably not gonna make it out period this next time yeah. but it's like it's just a cycle with him he's he hasn't changed yeah I, I think it would have been more powerful uh, if now I wouldn't. I still don't like it, but I think it. I think it. Yeah, it would have made more sense, you know, instead of like trying to explain to to everybody why the changes are there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we have Harvey with the, you know, like you make certain changes and, that, and you're doing it. Everybody knows you're doing it, so you can so you can be successful at the box office. <laughs> mm. um, 
but it it would make more sense. Uh, like him, like just just tragic character that, that kills these people because of it. he uses his racism. He kills these folks because he's racist, but then gets awarded for it. You know what I mean? Like that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. And so I mean, they be waiting for part two. Oh man, <laughs> part one was enough, right? Man. Absolutely. But again, that that theme when I saw it, I was like, yo, this is again. I thought. Make America great again. This guy, this guy is so sure yeah. in his position that he knows what the the ailments are, and he's just dealing with the symptom. You know, like, okay, well, why is it this way, Travis? You don't, you don't pay attention to right. really any any politics, but I don't know. It's uh, very interesting. But those are some of the themes I had. Uh, the director point of view, you know, Smart and Scorsese talks about how he, as a director, he, he's a highly visual director. Uh, his style is you can see it right away uh he he it's like him he said he's forcing the crowd like grabbing them by the hair and like look at this look at this that's what he's trying to do because he thinks real fast and he wants people i want you to look at that unflinching man um he likes to keep the audience uneasy um he he mentions like uh on set this could be a trivia or filmmaker tip thing but i don't know uh but he's like questions for him on set like while they're during the production is like murder he like he just doesn't like it and he's like every, it seems like every question is a chore ah and um but during post during post-production it's him and the editor and everything is a breeze like okay now i can finally kind of get to filmmaking but he does say that he still has some complaints he said he says said, said actually shooting the film is the hardest part and at times uncomfortable he said he during the recording of the commentary which is like in, i want to say in 86 no. he hadn't seen the film since 76 yeah, he hadn't he watched it doing was it goodfellas or that he was that was like his newest film I think yeah, at the time yeah. he's probably coming up on that, but he hadn't watched this or the Mean Streets since, since like he had shot yeah. him because he said the, the the filming of this was difficult. Yeah. It was it was it was hard. I think they eight weeks. I think is the amount of time they uh-huh. had, but it it brings up I guess the kind of you know not all great feelings of shooting, but uh, but yeah, he should he should have those feelings. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what that movie's really about. Mm. <laughs> uh, um. I don't have any more director point of view. Uh, um, well, actually, um, I don't know if that w- if it was him or if it was a, the writer that said that that um, determining who's the hero of a film and it's ba- basically whoever gets there first mm. and um, it's based on their perspective who gets determined who the hero is. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that was the writer that may have said okay. that. Okay, it doesn't really matter who, but yeah, but I that I latched onto that as well. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. Mm. Uh, business stuff. There's some business. I mean, this is business. You know, we got to make money. Show here. business. I wish you know in America. I wish we had like, um, like, like art funds, like specifically, so we can have, or like um, city funded things, so that we can create our art. So it doesn't always have to be for commerce in order to, you know, have art out there. You know, it always has to be like a commerce type of thing. It has to be a product versus just truly an expression. You know, we have to make compromises to create art. Um, but I mean, yeah, compromise to create this this film product. Um, but uh, they mentioned since this is a passion product, it's kind of like an auteur type of project. Since um, all of the people that were involved in the film, Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese, they were kind of becoming, uh, they leveled up in their careers. And since they were leveling up in their careers, that actually them as a package actually made this more appealing because people didn't really want to produce this film but because 
all right, you got these people attached. You just won an Oscar. Da, da, da. I was like, okay, you know, it made the package more appealing, and that's kind of more of the producer thing. Yeah, Scorsese, he when he had, he had read the script and he instantly wanted to do it, and he, when he approached the producers about it, he was they said, well, you don't have anything underneath your belt, really. But he had already shot Mean Streets with with Bobby De Niro, mm-hmm. and once they once they saw that the rough, I think like the rough cut of that or screening of that that got him in, and of course. Robert Newell winning the Oscar for The Godfather 2 that then because they taking them as a package or you two together him starring you directing that was definitely the the, the green light and they mentioned uh, the producers were saying that um, they had did Close Encounters of the Third Kind which is basically like a honeymoon they were like this is our honeymoon phase with Columbia so they can kind of mm-hmm. do no wrong you know uh, so it was like you know Columbia's all ears like what you got hey <laughs> So, you know, all right, do one for them. Like they say, do one for them, do one for yourself. This is the one they did for themselves. Do you have any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? We'll just call them all memorable for (laughs) for this go around. (laughs) All right, memorable scenes. Actually, no, no, this is actually a favorite scene. When Travis initially approaches Betsy. This is this is probably the most sympathetic moment that we have with the most humane moment that yeah. we have with Travis. Travis. He gets he gets dressed up. He's got his you know his uh, velvet blazer on, and uh, you know you, he walks into the Palladian, you know, um, candidate center, mm-hmm. and just approaches again. And once again, the way they shoot Betsy, you know, Civil Civil Shepherd's character, she's just there. She's got this look in her eyes where she's just so. Like confident, yeah. Like unwavering confidence. Like, okay, is this guy gonna really approach me? It's it's I don't, it's, it's very fascinating to me. But he walks up there and he he turns on his charm. Got he, his swag. What is swag? You know, got and Travis got. And he and this was this was interesting. He shows a little bit of 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 swag. He had shot down a little bit of swag early when he first goes to the first like porn movie and he tries to holler at the sister behind the uh, counter. Yeah. Ask for her name and he gets, you know, shot down. <laughs> Do I have to call my manager? Troy. I just want to know, I just want to know your name. <laughs> anyway, but so when he approaches Betsy, <laughs> he's just very straightforward. Yeah. And hey, he he seals the deal, gets gets the the date to take her out that day. I'm like, hey man, that's uh Travis got a little game. Got a little bit of game. Um I do have that down as one of my memorable scenes. And, uh, you know, I think we were late as men just getting the courage to ask a complete stranger out. Mm-hmm. Like there's been several times in life was like, oh, yeah, a complete stranger that you just why not screw it. But let's be let's be real. He was stalking because he was like already had been. She had noticed him yeah. sitting out in his in his cab, like just looking. Hey, man, we got a hunt. So it's like uh, you got to see. <laughs> see what's out there. Right. I mean, how yeah. I mean, you got to. Hey. You know, you got yeah. to watch it. You got to, yeah. So, yeah. He Come was, up with a game plan, you know. He, uh, and he did. Kudos <laughs> to him. He had a game plan. You know, first first one, you know, you know got to, you know, hit the ball, got, got to first base. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> tagged it. out. Tagged out a second. <laughs> She's out of your league. You're in the minors. She's in the majors. Oh, man. Buddy, found that but out that real was part, quick. Part of that was self-sabotage. He, like, come on. Like, this lady's classy. Yeah, she's out of his league. I'm not gonna dispute. I'm not gonna dispute that. <laughs> and he's off. Some <laughs> some some off about Travis. It's just Travis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what what you got as far as favorite scenes? Um, I memorable. Don't, memorable. I, so when he's looking at again, I'm bringing up race. When he's looking at all these black folks, like that's seared in my brain because this is early on. I'm yeah. 
what's going on here? What did I sign up for? What's in case you got me watching? <laughs> <laughs> and then when he finally gets the courage to, you know, shoot, you know, this black person that's holding up the the liquor store, uh, just the way they go about how they handle it to get away with the murder, you know, and in this world, <laughs> it can, you know, they know how to get away with this. He's like, hey, mm. he, you know, the fact that he can just hand a gun he just purchased to a stranger and that stranger is going to take care of it. You know, it's like, wow. They've figured out how to get get away with this murder. How they're gonna get you know do away with the guns that murdered this black dude? And I was like, huh. Well, here's the thing that I always uh, I think about actually quite often with all the technology we have today with these amazing recording devices yeah. that we have in our hands. Like how much stuff people got away with before? Yeah, you know, like you say, you just say 1980s and before, just what people could get away with. Get away! Um, uh, yeah, get away! Murder. That's 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 scary. That's like man, like a lot of a lot of a lot of bodies, a lot of a whole know, lot. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I that yeah, that's definitely memorable. Uh, the way that went down again, you know. Again, I enjoy, I enjoy fantasy, and there are characters who are vigilantes. But in real life, like especially those that killing, that's mm, that's. You know, it's one thing like you know defending your family. You know, somebody breaks in your home, that, that's different. But when like people out like. Stalking, like to, yeah. Like, eh, 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 yeah, it's too much, too much. Um, so again, as far as another memorable scene, again when he takes Betsy to to the dirty movie, <laughs> you know, it's like he's there, and like again, this guy is so off <laughs> that when they go in the, in the place, and she even has her reservations up front, she's like, really? Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of couples come to these kind of films. And, you know, tanks, they sit down and it's, and you know, they're talking about, you know, body parts, this and that. And then it cuts to like a, you know, like a, like an orgy. And then, then and she's just like, she's out. Yeah. She gets up, she's leaving. Yeah. And he, he starts the date off good with a nice gesture, right? Gets her the album by Chris Christopherson that, you know, has the song that she had made reference to. I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty smooth. Right. And then just nosedives. Yeah. And she's already leaving and she, you know, tells him off and, He's like, well, keep the album. She's like, I already have the album. You know, like, okay, fine. Now I've got two. And then she, you know, burns out. No game. Can't keep it going. Just a few tricks there. Yeah. Um, that's all I have for memorable scenes. Uh, let me burn through these other ones I have real quick. Uh, when he buys the guns, and he's sitting there with the gun sales, and I, I don't know that. I thought that scene was well done, well shot, and just yeah. the, you know, um, the close up of the different weapons. Like, you know, this is. You got you know you talk, talk about the forty four Magnum like this guy's having like serious firepower. This guy is like about to you know like have a, a one man war. Yeah. On 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 crime, yo, and getting these guns, you know, like almost like black market style. Like none of these are registered. <laughs> like, okay, you're already kind of breaking the law, guy. You're you're again like so we talk about you know hypocrisy. Yeah, hypocrisy for sure. Since you have that scene up, I know this is like it kind of goes into a trope when somebody's displaying guns and showing like what you you can purchase and things like that but it reminds me of uh the scene and you haven't seen jackie brown i have yes you remember in jackie brown when uh ordell played by um samuel jackson he's playing the videos with all the guns and then he said ak-47 would you absolutely positively gotta kill every mother in the room except no substitutes <laughs> <laughs> I have to revisit that. It's been a while. It's I, great. I know you love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when I when I came out, I didn't like it. But 
Group. Oh, really? I would not have uh, yeah. expected that. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know. Maybe you'll, you're coming to love Taxi Driver. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my favorite part. <laughs> oh, that's why I couldn't resist that one. <laughs> Maybe you'll come to love it. <laughs> oh man, uh, a couple other uh, memorable scenes when he's starting to train himself and he holds his hand over the flame of the yeah. stove. I'm like, this dude is crazy, Nuts, crazy, like, crazy. What is he preparing for? All right, then <laughs> again, we've already talked about that first kill in the in the uh, market. Um, when he first meets Iris, because he's come, he's he's encountered her a few times, but then when okay, not when he meets her, but when he actually you know pays sport and he and he actually goes to talk with her, and even more so when they talk in the diner when he buys her breakfast. Yeah, that's the that's the second time where he is actually really endearing when he has these first encounter encounters with these women. Yeah, and he's kind of just genuinely talking with them. It's that, that's when he seems the most humane in those moments. And he's actually trying. It's the most noble thing that he's done off film, that he wants to help this young girl who is being trafficked to get out of this lifestyle. Mm. And even even when he when he initially meets her in the room and she's, she's trying to do her quote-unquote job, he's, you know, refusing, no, no, no. And at the end, when he's ready to leave, she's like, you know, it really does mean a lot. And this 12-year-old actress, Jodie Foster, is a hell of a performer at such a young age. It really The nuance of her performance is, is, is actually really impressive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I, I see why she was nominated for an Academy Award. But again, 12 years old, that's... Well, how old was she really, though? Was she 18 or... No, she was like... She maybe, was actually 12? She, yeah, she was, she was between 12 to 14. Cause I, look, I looked up when she was born... <laughs> I did research. I did. I was like, okay, how old was she really when she did yeah. the role? Because, you know, a lot of times you have older people are older playing younger roles. No, she was yeah. still young. And her her older sister played like her uh, like a body double for her in, in certain scenes. Like, uh, yeah. But, okay. um, but yeah, but she was she was very taken care of and very protected on set. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, they, they, and her mom, her mom was there the I whole time. I couldn't sign up for it. I could, as a director, I couldn't sign up for it. I would have to have like, hey, some lady director come in or something. Like you know, now seventies may be different. No, they 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 actually no, they talk about that. Like oh, I watched uh, the feature. They and she she even talked about. It. They interviewed her after the fact. She was very, um, she was very well protected. After. Yeah, it, it really. I was I was actually pretty impressed, especially yeah. considering what we like know. Well, so stuff we've heard now. No, they very much so looked after looked after her mm-hmm. and made sure like she was she 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 hated what she had to wear like when she first went shopping for the clothes and started like she actually said she started crying because <laughs> that is stuff that she would never wear she didn't like to have her legs exposed and that kind of stuff oh, but yeah. her mom actually kind of said honey it's just a roll and that kind of got her to, to to calm down but her mom was always there her mom was staying in the trailer but her mom was 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 there um, but yeah they they looked out for her and she she did a hell of a job. Speaking of legs out, uh, what movie was that? Which uh, Spike Lee directed with her in it, um, Clive Owen. Oh, uh, inside, not inside, inside man. man. Yeah, yeah, inside man. Remember, uh, Spike Lee was like, "Dang, Jody, you got some nice legs." Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jody, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Jody, uh, as an inside man, she's got the skirt on, got a leg like these muscular legs. Like, at times, at times, she like you know seems like she's dressed more conservative, but jo- Jody's got she's got some looks. We, I mean, we talked about that on the uh, when we covered that one. That's right. Um, one more is this the 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 last scene of the, of the film, not the last scene, but the 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 big kill scene. Yeah, that is pretty memorable. I mean, from from him 
the way he shoots sport, he'll mm-hmm. suck on this. Bah, yeah. And, and cartel, having Harvey Cartel ah, in, <laughs> in the doorway. And then he goes and sits on the stoop. And yeah. of course, they, they quickly dissolve cut to him. Like, you know, who knows how long he was sitting there, but then he gets up, goes inside. And then the guy who is uh, kind of taking the money and guarding the place, yeah. he just blows that guy's hand off like mariachi style. And that. Dang. I don't know if you saw the feature uh-huh. of the guy who talks about how they that that is worth checking out. Okay, the, I'm gonna watch a lot of these special features over again. It's just I had to take it was, it was already a long film. I agree, but the the guy who did the special effects, like hearing him talk about how they did, like when he gets shot in the neck, yeah, the way they the way they did those effects where they had these um, fish wire, oh. they had fishing line attached to him oh. and a little a little piece of of prosthetic flesh, and then. And, and, and a thing pumping, ready to pump blood underneath. And so when the, they do the effect, boom, they just, he pulls the wire, pulls that flesh off, and then <laughs> starts doing <laughs> the blood. Great. And with the guy's hand, he had his hand in like a special cast where his, his fist was balled up, and they just placed the fake hand on it, and they had the squids inside and the blood flowing so they could just make it pop, make it explode and <laughs> get the blood to come out. But it's it's obviously very elaborate. His violence is great. Yeah, how they had to carve out the ceiling. Of uh, of that building to have uh-huh. the, the delay the tracks for the dolly cam oh, okay. shot for the for the god overhead god shot at the end, uh-huh. which that that shot's pretty cool because mm-hmm. it feels it feels ahead of its time because it feels like everything is frozen mm-hmm. and it's just yeah anyway but it's that last scene is is, is violent even for today's time I was like oh damn this is <laughs> <laughs> but but it's so because it's all practical it's it's pretty visceral yeah but yes. it's memorable absolutely. Uh, tropes, tropes. You got the guy looking for honest work. Mm. First shot. I mean, we literally just saw that from They Live. Mm. Yes, true. That's true. You have the outside slash loner who snaps. <laughs> the guy who can't adapt to society after war. Mm. The classy woman is repulsed by the strange guy, but she still decides to give him a shot. I, I was saying the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant that's out of his league. Mm. Um, the beautiful girl makes a pass at the quote unquote hero after ignoring or rejecting him initially. Oh, I don't have any more. Um, I've got one more. Um, the, the white male that can't cope and goes on a murder spree in public. <laughs> America. Make America great again. Goodness no, gracious. Uh, do you have any quotes from this f- very quotable film? <laughs> uh, my first quote is from our buddy Travis. Just Travis. <laughs> he says, all the animals come out at night. Uh, another one from Travis. Someday a real rain to come and wash all the scum off the streets. Dude, that's a man. Man, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> once again, Travis. Each night I have to clean the clean the cum off the back seat. Sometimes I clean off the blood. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, for real. And then we actually, for him to say it, then see him with the right, after he just said it, blood <laughs> and cum. <laughs> I was like, dang, man, it's getting rough back there in that seat. But yet he still works those areas and picks up those people, makes that money. Makes that money. Um, he mentioned you're only as healthy as you feel mm. as he proceeds to do some mentally unstable things. Mm. Uh, this is from Tom. He's the uh, other campaign guy that works with Betsy, mm-hmm. played by the comedian. I can't think of his name, but he says uh, when she comes up to him and throws the cup at him with the, it's nothing. There's nothing in there. He's like, she's like, you want to see something? And he's like, sure. And he goes, oh wait, I just typed want to see something, and he has to delete it off his typewriter. <laughs> 
um, when the group of cabbie guys are are sitting around, um, there's one guy who says, "Oh, that that's Doughboy because he'll do anything for money." Him. Yeah, so I was like, "Oh man, did John Singleton get his inspiration from this?" Which would make sense coming out of UC, USC film school. This stuff makes you wonder, right? When you go back, you hear these things, you're like, "Wait a minute, does that influence you know whatever later on?" Yeah. Um, this is from one of the cab drivers, Wizard. He says he's talking to to um, um, our guy Travis. And trying to give him advice because Travis, he's trying to trying to cheer him up because mm-hmm. you can tell he's in a funk. And he says, at the end though, after all the stuff he recommends, he says, "What do I know? I'm a cab driver." <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a point there. Um, seeing the cab drivers like kind of get away, I mean, get around each other and kind of talk shop. It's like uh, it, it's funny, like when you get around like circles, different circles of people, and like what their conversation is about, and you. You get around one, you know, one group of people, and they're talking about like, yeah, because uh, I'm like I'm part of like a lot of the mastermind groups and stuff like that. So it's like a different group of people. They're talking about you know their million dollar project. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. hey, we're working on this and we're doing it. And so <laughs> when you hear what they're talking about, it's like, man, these guys are going nowhere. You know, they're talking. <laughs> they were talking about. Uh, <laughs> so you guys need to level up. <laughs> I was like, this guy was talking about yeah, in California, you can like. They're talking about like gay couples, you know, you can get rid of it. You know, oh, because yeah. They use the F word. They got to use like, a, and then you get like, they got to pay you alimony. Yeah. He said, man, they're ahead of us over there in California. It's like, these guys are stupid as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'd forgotten about that. That was actually pretty, pretty funny. I'm like, you, uh, no, you kind of, you have that right. Now you, 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 you're way ahead of your time. Yeah. I oh, mean, but man. they don't fetch. I don't even know to know that that's not even in, that's not even happening, but yeah. they don't know any better. It's, Doing their thing. Mm-hmm. So this this is a scene again. Once again, this is um right at one of Paladin's his his campaign rallies, and mm-hmm. you've got you've got Tom there, and there's another guy next to him. They're both by a microphone and like making sure like the sound is ready. And that guy's like, "Look, I'm good. I've done this before. I've seen it a hundred times." He says, and then, and then Tom asks him, "When did you do this?" He says, "I've, I've never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never done it before." He's, that guy was so confident; he was adamant. He said, "When did you do this?" I've never done this before. <laughs> um, again, with those cab drivers talking around, it was like a story. And he said, "Yeah, man, this midget got in the car." <laughs> He's talking about a midget that got in the car. Um, and then the the black dude like kind of steps in. Wait, was the midget delayed? Ready? <laughs> Uh, just the way that he kind of jumped in, like that's he wanted to get to the bottom of it. Get was, the deets. Was the midget the lady? Uh, of course, no. The lady was the, the other one. So mm. it, it, I don't know. It was just like a little bit of you know, it was like a black person would you know jump in, like try to get this. Let me get this right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sir. Sir. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> so once again, this is our our buddy Travis. And this is the again famous most quotable line of, of the film yeah. that I heard. I mean, so many years earlier before I knew where it came from. I've seen it parodied in other films, mm-hmm. but it's again, it's that you talking to me? Uh, Are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah. I don't see anybody else around, so you must be talking to me. Uh, oh, you're talking to me. <laughs> Who the fuck you think you're talking to? Yeah, that's, like, that's great, man. That's wonderful. Bobby De Niro. And that was improv. That actually wasn't in the original script. Most famous line in the film, improv, by one Robert De Niro. That's how it goes, man. Do you have any more quotes? Uh, last one. and uh, Actually, it's not a quote from the film, but this is just by Paul Schaefer himself in, in one of the commentaries. He said, um, 
No, actually, I already, I already mentioned that, so never mind. No, I'm done with quotes. Do you have questions for the director? Well, Mr. Scorsese, pleasure to meet you, sir. If you wouldn't mind having a seat, I just have a few, few inquiries for you. Um, first, and actually, Mr. Schaefer, please come and have a seat as well. You wrote this script. Why does Travis give such menacing looks to black men? I think it was established that he, he's racist. He's a racist. Ah, thank you. That's, that's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> uh, my other question. Uh, when Travis gets made at the, at the rally, when he's there with his mohawk ready to shoot the candidate paladin, and they make him, and one of the Secret Service men comes running after him, why is he so damn clumsy? <laughs> <laughs> he bumps into, one, bumps into one guy. He and rolls. Then, <laughs> he like hits, bumps into him and rolls on the ground. It's a stunt. And then as he gets up, he instantly hits another guy. I'm like, you are terrible at your job. Like You need to be able to chase people in crowds specifically to be successful at this job. I'm sure at Secret Service Academy, you practice running through crowds. Have you forgotten your training, sir? Because you are playing human bowling. You are knocking these people down like pins. But I just saw that. I was like, ah, that's bad. Yeah, you, this man, your, your candidate would have been dead if, if uh, this guy had pulled out his weapon. Absolutely. All right, last question. <laughs> When I see Travis smile, what is up with his creepy smile? It's it's unsettling, especially when he's yeah. talking to Sport, and Sport is trying to kind of joke with him or whatever, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm hip, and he's... Yeah, he's a... I know what it is. It's He's a psychopath. And um, I forgot what TV show this was, but it was like a psychopath explaining... How it feels to pretend to be human, mm. and so like kind of going through like, oh, that's what they do. So I got you're trying sm- to imitate. Yeah, you're imitating someone smiling. Oh, yeah, it, that's <laughs> that's that's what he's trying to do, and the way he does it, like De Niro has this <laughs> stiffness to his body where he's just like he's there and he's like got his hands in his jacket and he's and he's looking at Harvey Cartel's character at sport and he's like, kind mm. mm. <laughs> yeah. of like we they, everybody knows the like, the De Niro expressions yeah. that he makes the Absolutely. kind of the eyes kind of squint and just a, a, a wry little smile across the face but it's but he's got his shades on it's very awkward it's very unsettling there yeah. we go it's unsettling but those are all the questions I have gentlemen thank you so much for your time um do we have do you have any trivia no I'm sure there's a lot yeah we're gonna rapid fire through trivia okay I only have like a few Okay, I've got, I've got all right. You want to hit? You go ahead and yours first. The uh, the boss from Rocky, dear, uh, in the Rocky movie, the first Rocky, um, Sylvester Stallone is um, he hit his boss is paying him to do all like all the you know cracking legs and doing all that stuff. In this film, he is the he's running like the taxi service. Is that the same guy? I, the very first shot, the very first shot with the sideburns. Right, I don't think so. Because that know. guy, see, that guy seems much bigger. I need, to, see, I need seemed, to search it. I, but uh, I'm pretty good with faces. But uh, uh, I thought that was him. Hmm. He was pretty busy in '76. But I mean, you know, you got me only, curious now. Yeah, it's a good. We'll, when, we, when we go to Rocky, we'll, I'm gonna pull back, pull that up on IMDb. We'll, we'll take, we'll take a look. Uh, uh, since that's our next film, yeah, well, we'll take a look and cross reference that. So that's a, it's a, it's a good observation. What else you got? He got a lot of stuff for a dollar eighty five when he went to that uh, <laughs> when he went to the theater. 
Seventies baby. A dollar eighty five. He had like some popcorn. He had some candy, some soda, Royal Crown, Satan uh, sugar. But they, but then they gave him orange juice. I'm like, huh? If you, you notice in the cup, it's it's, it's orange juice really? in the cup. Yeah, I, I was like, that's not that's not that's cola. Gross. It's straight orange juice. Didn't know that. I thought it was yeah. Yuck. Um, uh, writer. Oh, uh, you talked about this, but the writer was kind of going through his own psychosis during the writing process, and even depression as well. He, he mentioned. It's a very depressing movie. You didn't get any joy out of it? Nope. None. Yeah, right, rightfully so. It's, it's a dark one. I, it's a dark, dark journey. You already know. I was like, oh, you're uh, yeah, that's a, all I got for the trip. A dark journey. Yeah, all right. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, let's see what I haven't already mentioned. Mm, mentioned that already. All right. Just to get a little more information about Harvey Keitel. He was originally. Um, Scorsese had him in mind to play the campaign worker to play Tom. Okay, but uh, but he saw the role of the pimp and said he wanted to to play that role. He had more interest in that. Uh, here's an inter- interesting piece of trivia: Robert De Niro actually got a license as a taxi driver, and while he was working on another film in Europe, he would fly back to the states and drive taxis for a couple of weeks leading up to the production of the film. There was even a time where they were riding around with him mm. as he was driving, and actually somebody. Somebody spotted him mm-hmm. the, when they were in the text. And they, they said, "I thought it was you," and he had, you know, again he had just won an Academy Award for The yeah. Godfather Part Two. And they were yeah. like, "They're like, is it that rough out there for for actors?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Actually, <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious. Like, man, like, is it that rough? You got an Academy Award? You're out here driving taxis? Absolutely, <laughs> brother. Mm. It's a passion yeah. project. Mm. Um. And we covered quite a, quite a few of these. Yes, indeed. Oh, this is the, the Iris character was based off a real life prostitute that um, that Paul Schrader actually ended up meeting and actually oh. paid her for her time and, and and had Scorsese come through and they sat down and had breakfast with her and talk with her and she was she was uh, only like like about fifteen Dang. and you know was living the life and they said a lot of the things that that uh, that kind of came on screen from from Jody like were like reflective of this this girl's life and then she actually she's the girl that is always partnered next to uh iris's character oh, like that okay. was like the she's a real real prostitute Dang. man that's what's wild that is running them streets uh scorsese actually makes two cameos in the film right the first time he cameos is when when travis is talking about how he first met betsy and mm-hmm. she's walking down the street like Scorsese is sitting on oh, the yeah, slope. Oh yeah, he's just chilling. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I was like, beard, oh, chilling, oh. hanging out. Okay, that's that's Scorsese there. But then, of course, later on, we see him in the back of Travis's cab, and he's telling him to look up at the window. And he's just like, yeah, that's my that's my wife up there. He goes, but that's not my apartment. And he goes on this rant that he's up there with a with a black guy, but doesn't doesn't say black guy. Uses the n word, nigga. Oh. I'm sorry. And makes makes these allegations <laughs> and stuff that he's going to going to do. And the reason why that had to happen, why he had to fill in, he had hired another actor to be in that role. And that actor was on a set of another film, did a stunt that went bad, and he like busted his head open. Ouch! And uh, could not be there. So Scorsese filled in, but Scorsese just doesn't like to see himself on screen. Yeah, doesn't like to hear his own voice even. Yeah. But uh, but you know, the show must go on, and so he went in there, and um, yeah, did a, did did his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I may mention this before, but just wanted to reiterate that Jodie Foster was well protected on set, and her older sister played her stand-in for anything that was too sexually suggestive. Wow, well, well done. 
now it's time for filmmaker tips what you got there uh, make bad storyboards so oh. uh, according to the i think it was this was maybe the, the dp he talked about how he he liked Mario Scorsese's storyboards because they were very basic, very simple. They weren't overly detailed. Mm-hmm. Just gave enough information of kind of the direction that things needed to move, and he really he really liked that. Nice, nice. Um, all of the camera moves were scripted, <laughs> and they had to um, be thought out that way. That's what uh, Marty said because uh, there's no way that. Uh, this film will get shot because it's only eight weeks and it's a million bucks. So you don't really have time to be trying to figure out. I'm like, okay, now, now that we're here on production day, like, well, let's put the camera there. No, you got to come in and kind of get in, get out, know what the shots are going to be, execute, move on to make your day. I think I also remember because Scorsese often cuts his films as well. Yeah. And I think we maybe in Goodfellas, one of the films that we've covered by Marty, that he's all also thinking about how he wants to, cut these things together, which I think mm-hmm. of course is going to help with how he shoots it as well. But that, this, this may have kind of refined itself later on. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was that distinct of at, at this early point in his career. Absolutely. Um, don't tell if you don't have to. So in this film, because Robert had his taxi driver license, all the shots are him actually driving. They never uh, put the car on anything and towed it. This is him actually driving and they captured, captured all the shots with him behind the wheel. I like it. I like that. Save money, too. Oh, yeah. Um, as we talked about earlier, um, it's socially irresponsible to show some of the things that were really happening in that screenplay, the kind of show's actor um, killing all these black folks would, would be socially irresponsible. Um, yeah. And so sometimes you got to think about that, you know, um, when you're doing things that are, you know, graphic in nature, even the sexual stuff is like, you know, you got to kind of think about the greater good yeah. in the world where your film is going to go. Um, I know from like personal experience of doing like our documentary, uh, just how I felt good to have that in the world, out in the world, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some movies, you know, the people produce it, like it causes damage, you know what I mean? So it felt good to have something that that's going to actually help people and inspire them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, agreed. So, um, you can use fishing line to pull away wounds. I alluded a little bit to this earlier, but that last, the last big fight scene of the film in multiple aspects, when there were people who had bullet wounds going in, you know, uh, De Niro's neck, uh, the guy who gets shot in the face several times, Mm -hmm. those were all set up where they had fishing wire attached to these, you know, prosthetic pieces of flesh and they would just pull those away and they had systems underneath that would, and squirt the blood out and things like that. But nice. that's and the, the 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 special effects expert actually said that the the guy who who got his face shot up that he had got them all set up and then his girlfriend came on set the, the the actor's girlfriend came on set to give him a hug and said oh you got something on your you got some hair on your face and she was about to grab it and pull it off and the the special effects director just screamed. He's like, "No!" Nah! Oh, that <laughs> was it, just in time where she had moved it up, but he was able to to fix it enough where it wasn't a t- didn't didn't totally like destroy it. But yeah. that was funny to hear him say. Unbelievable. Um, a tip: defend your script. So they talk about the writer and how um, Martin talked about how he kind of made the script so tight. There's not there wasn't really much room for like adding additions or anything like that. So that just being very 
crafty with your skill set. Like if you take something out, like it destroys another part of the film. Like the structure falls apart if you start taking stuff away or adding stuff to it. One of the things that I realized later that there was an addition is when uh, Harvey Cartel and Jodie Foster they have a scene where it was added, and I felt like that was necessary. It's like this dude's a pimp. There's no need for us to feel any kind of anything, empathy or anything for him. It was like I feel like it. What are we doing here? Yeah, and that was and that was one of the only scenes that Travis wasn't in, so it kind of broke that continuity in the film of of us always being with Travis. Yeah, and I was like, like uh, that, that was more political reasons, studio pol- politics, and trying to make people more likable. Um, it's like a pimp's a pimp, you know. It's yeah, this guy's trash. There's there's no, there's nothing you can do about this. Trying to make it seem like they're in a relationship or that that's what he said because Martin talked about it. Like there, she's not being held against her will, you know. Like and you. In that scene, you can kind of see that she's she's choosing, quote unquote, choosing to be there. Here's an interesting thought with yeah. them changing the the pimp from from black to white. I wonder how that would have played with a black pimp pimping this 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 young child out. Like how that would have played for mm-hmm. for other audiences, for white audiences, how they would have maybe reacted to to that. I don't know. Just um, it would have been unsettled and uh, and optics. Yeah, I mean, it's still disturbing regardless of the. Right. race of the character that you know this person is is again exploding this child but yeah i wonder i wonder about that i wonder if that came into play as well yeah mm. uh, yeah that would have been interesting um also no actually to kind of go along with um what scenes could potentially be taken out and not damage it even scorsese saying that he had to shoot in place of that actor he wasn't too worried about it because if it didn't go well they could have taken that scene out and said it wouldn't have wouldn't have really yeah, hurt the film. Absolutely. So that yeah, so he wasn't too worried there. But another tip is to know the city. When Scorsese read Paul Schrader's script and saw like some of the references, because you know Schrader was in California, he didn't know New York. Yeah. But he knew like where certain cross sections were at and that didn't work out, and was able to fix those things and get them to the right locations because he knows New like he he knows New York and is pretty synonymous with New York. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting when you know something about a craft or an industry. You know, when you're uh, pretending you're an actor, pretending to shoot guns and you're shooting, but this gun has infinite bullets in it. But somebody that knows about guns, like, hey, bro, you only got six. Exactly. You, know, you only got this amount. But when, like in John Wick, you know, when we see that, oh, he drops a clip and reloads, it's like gun enthusiasts, are like, yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. You feel, you feel validated or vindicated that somebody took the time to put that extra bit of, of detail in there mm-hmm. and that that keeps you that keeps you in keeps you locked in yeah in those moments yeah instead of uh, what martin scar says is saying that is like i think it was california because they were shooting in new york in california uh but you hit a, a turn a left on a corner and it's like you're trying to push this california scene as it's a new york scene it just doesn't make sense uh but it will take somebody that knows new york out of the whole situation Definitely. That's all I have for filmmaker tips. All right, I got a few more. Uh, you can put oil, I guess, on the film to make certain things fuzzy. So, like when they first, when Travis first goes in to see his first pornographic film, the screen is totally like blurred, yeah, I noticed that. Out. I was like, "What's that going on?" And when I listened to the second commentary with with Paul Schrader in it, they they, they talked about that they used oil on the film to to do so. Mm. I was like, "Huh, I hadn't heard of that before." Yeah, I was like, I figured it was an American thing, them like blocking it. I was like, eh, kind of messed it up there. Yeah, but it was real. It was real. Uh, the real deal, the real material. So they had to. Okay, let's 
fuzzing this Blot up. it out. Um, mm, cast comedians for non-description or non-descript characters who are in nothing roles so they can bring them to life. So again, they, they cast the comedian. Let me get his name right. Put some respect on his name. Put some respect on my name. Albert Brooks. Okay. They cast him to play the role of Tom. He had had a couple of successful comedy albums at the time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what he came up with dialogue-wise was, was him bringing that into the into the mix. And it, well, he, he wasn't trying to be comedian funny. He was trying to be okay. Somebody working at the office kind mm. of funny. Funny. Funny like how? Funny. <laughs> oh my, am I amusing to you? <laughs> like funny? Ha, ha. How, am I, how am I funny? Mm. Um. So this is uh, Paul Strader, who later on went to went on to direct some films. He said that uh, the script should be written as just stories first, right? Your story, your 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 your, your themes, your, your metaphors, and then rewritten with camera angles. So he, he uh, so he says when he first sees a script now, yeah, he just wants it to be based on story. He doesn't want to see any camera angles in there. And he, I can and, see that. And then he'll say. Okay, how am I going to save this piece of trash? That's his, his, his exact, exact words. So then he'll have it redone and then add in the, the ankles. But initially, he just wants the story. Mm. I see that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when a character appears in all scenes of the movie, then you need to make the character have different characteristics and personality traits and show different sides in different scenes. And that's what they... That's what they do with Travis, that he shows different sides of his personalities in different scenes because he's in it so much. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what I have. Taxi driver. Me, me. <laughs> um, I would recommend for like filmmakers, uh, but I will not just just randomly say, hey, just here's a movie you should check out. I I would say this is from a historical context, right? When you talk about just having that that film knowledge, yeah, it's it's just like when you go to school, right? There are some classes, some subjects you might be you like, oh man, watch, I yeah. dread, or I, you know, I had to get to that one chapter wasn't my favorite, but it's going to be on the final, right? It's something that you know you just you just got to do, yeah, you just like kind of power through. It's like Birth of a Nation. It's like uh, I remember when a film class I was in, they forced us to watch. I, some people walked out. I walked out towards the end. It's like, all right, I'm done. I had enough. Yeah, uh, I was like, yeah, but you know, it's American history. It is, but I, I can appreciate, I can appreciate the performances, of especially what? like uh, of of the guy, the actors in in, in Birth of Nation. Oh, in this. Oh one. no, Taxi <laughs> Driver. I was like, whoa, yeah, no, <laughs> Birth. No, I, I I didn't even finish that one. That was that was rough. Screw this. Yeah, like I mean that inspired so many Ku Klux Klan members. God. Yeah, that's a, that's a different beast. That's a propaganda film. Even, yeah, Harold heralded at its time. Put it in. Yeah, that was anyway. But uh, but with Taxi Driver, I can uh, appreciate the the performances and yeah, the artistry behind it. And it, but it's 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 very interesting. It's it's a little subversive. But but it, but what's interesting again is we can see some of these things and wonder how 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 does this relate to today? And I'm, I'm frighteningly like yeah. A whole lot. I mean, yeah. schools, active shooters, school. I mean, people are shooting up these schools, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people. The 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 the, especially in this generation of um, the the males who feel like they're being lost or undervalued and want to yeah. push back or or fight back, and they call them incels. Incels. Interesting. Involuntary celibate, um, and mm. you know, it's a whole it's a whole group of them, and uh, yeah. 
you know, this generation kind of creates, it's very interesting, you know, creates a lot of these uh, males. Mm. Yeah, well, this feels like Travis would fit right Perfect. In. Perfect. Right in. Uh, oddly enough. Even he's trying to win. He's trying to, you know, he's trying. <laughs> All he needs is just a, just a woman to like, hey, I got uh, you. Honey? No guns today. Yeah, Travis. Travis. <laughs> Travis. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Leave your... <laughs> Leave your hand revolving shootout thingamajig at home tonight. Don't take the forty four magnum. We don't need it. Absolutely. Just, just take the knife, okay? Just in case. Yeah. Just take the knife. I mean, without that, in a man's life, violence ensues. I'm just telling you. Travis just needed a hug. I think, <laughs> That's I think what I'm Travis just needed, a, just needed a hug. Like if, he, if in, Betsy like, would have gave him time today, I think he would have been a changed man. <laughs> He'd be like, hey, I'm good. I'm good. Hey. Getting, I'm working on my degree right now. Hey, look at Travis. <laughs> look at this guy. <laughs> I'm in limos now, you know. Travis, is that you? Yeah, I bought a suit yesterday. I'm driving limos, you know. Travis works at McDonald's now. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, it's the fries. <laughs> I run this whole block. <laughs> I run this. I just live here. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh man, what are we what are we tuning in next time? What are we watching? Yo, we're watching the very first Rocky. Rocky Balboa. Ba 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 ba. And where can you catch us? You can catch us at Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please check us out. Give us a like and a review, please. He is at Reggie Titus on Twitter. I'm at KCG Smith32. We're also on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. And I'm at KCG Smith32. Until next time. Peace. Respect. <laughs> <laughs>